Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I'm your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and a transformational coach for entrepreneurs, businesses, leaders, and for those who want to break the cycle of convention and redefine success one step at a time. I am on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week we have thought leaders, change instigators and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life and your business. This week, as always, we have another amazing guest for you. We have Sarah Kayla. Sarah is an executive leadership coach, consultant, CEO, and co-founder of Soul Powered, a women's leadership research and education company. For 20 plus years, she has developed business leaders and CEOs at startups, nonprofits, and Fortune 500 companies, including Lululemon, Facebook, Accenture, Cisco, Levi's, and the list goes on. Prior to that, she spent 10 years in senior director roles at Lululemon. During her meaty Auric rise, Sarah suffered stress-related grand mal seizure episodes and a diagnosis of epilepsy, which led her to change the way she works and lives. Sarah has been featured in Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, Thrive Global, and lots more. She holds certifications from the Coach Training Institute, the Marcus Buckingham Companies, and the International Coach Federation. She has a BA in Alternative Medicine from the Evergreen College and lives with her son in Seattle. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. So this week, as always, I'm super excited about our guest. We have Sarah Kayla. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Hi, Catherine. It's wonderful to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. So let's get right into it. We always love to ask our woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So Sarah, what inspired you to do what you do today? Oh my goodness. It's a bit of a long story. Um, Let's see. Well, you know, I had the great fortune of starting my career as an entrepreneur, which some people don't, but I, I came from an entrepreneurial family, so I had this great base of being an entrepreneur. And then I went into the corporate world and had a really meteoric rise in a very high-growth, fast-paced company, which many of you listening will know. It was the early days of Lululemon Athletica. And um, I know for those of you listening in Australia, you also are very familiar with the brand. And um, I was er, I was one of the early executives there and I had this incredible, you know, rise in the company and it was fast paced. It was incredible. I was working with 
you know, probably 80% women actually inside of the company and uh, developing leaders and high performance teams, as well as markets all over the United States. So um, really building from, you know, the ground up new communities and uh, bringing a brand end to end into a market. And, and it was incredible. And then, um, in a, the short version is that my health really started to deteriorate and I started to have a full-blown health crisis and over the period of several years. And I got to the point where I had a huge wake-up call, a rock-bottom moment, and I had to start to turn my life around. And, you know, for me, I knew that I would always become an entrepreneur again. And my life showed me the timing of how that would unfold, right? Through conscious choices and decisions, as well as the cost of how I was living and leading in the world, I learned that there was another way to lead and live. And I was determined to figure out what that looked like and learn how I could ultimately lead uh, myself and my, my family in a new way, but also be the leader of the work and the contribution that I knew I had in me and the impact I was here to make in the world and in a different way than it looked in the specific way I had been leading previously that clearly was not working any longer. So I had to, you know, move, move on and chose to move on because I knew that truly my contribution as a leader was meant to be beyond just one company and ultimately serve many, many, many companies and thousands of leaders out there in the world. Mm. As I'm listening to your story, and thank you for sharing your story, it's interesting how many guests we've had who share this story and say it's when they experience a rock uh, bottom moment or the dark night of the soul for them to make that mm. transition or transformation into something completely new. Why do you think we do that? Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting, and I've studied this a lot since my own personal experience, and now having seen this exact same thing you're referring to with all of my clients, pretty much, right? Um, I see this because I believe it's you know a lot in human nature that we don't change our behavior until the cost of our way of being or our way of living and operating within our life or our workplace or our our system, right? Until that cost becomes so hard or so difficult or so big, whether that be our health or our relationships with friends or family or our partners or spouses, becomes so big that it outweighs the payoff of our way of being or living, right? That we really start to change our behavior and really make that choice because we don't have that compelling conviction to do so. And to continue to do what we're doing is safe, right? Even if it's not really working. As humans, we we kind of stay comfortable in that zone where we know how to do things. It's familiar. We stay, you know, kind of cozy in our way because we fear the uncertainty and the unknown that's on the other side, even if it's a huge open doorway that ultimately we know is a big pathway to greatness. Mm. So I'm curious, Sarah, you were talking about that you've worked with uh, large organisations, uh, building leaders, building business from the bottom up. 
now going through that whole transition uh, and the transformation that you experienced to now running your own business, how do you stop yourself from going the, not just the extra mile, but how do you stop yourself from experiencing burnout again? Mm, It's a great question. You know, I think I learned personally um, that I had to create really, really firm boundaries for myself. And that, you know, that took, it was a practice. It still is a practice, but I needed to reestablish what that looked like for me, you know, as I carved out my new chapter, let's call it right. As I started to become an entrepreneur again, as I decided what did I want my life to look like? And I asked myself these types of questions, right? Literally, I decided I want my company look. How did I want my team to operate? How did I want my days to feel? How many days a week would I work? How much time for creative thinking did I need or reflection or innovation did I need to actually do the level of work that I knew was possible? How much time did I need with my family or my son, right? So I really asked myself these questions because I knew, one, I was the only person who could hold myself accountable to doing these things and doing them on a disciplined level that would create the new habit, right? No one's going to come and do them for me. And the rescue ship isn't coming, right? I think when you realize that, it's up to you, right? There's this level of personal responsibility in creating these new habits and patterns. And so for me now, I've learned through, you know, trial and error and practice what my yeses are and what my noes are and where those boundaries lies. And some of that is through experimentation, of course. And I also am a huge advocate for, um, self-care and not just the luxurious self-care that we might associate with that term, but deep um, sort of holistic self-care in the sense of sleep and nutrition and everything that goes into high performance and being able to be at your best, right? So for everyone, this is a little bit different. For some people, it's a sense of spirituality. For some people, it's their exercise. But for for some people, it's their physical environment, you know, having to that be very nurturing or feel like a sanctuary or feel creative. And for me, all of those things matter in terms of creating the results and the outcomes that you want to have in your work and life. Mm, I love it. There's a couple of questions from that, that, and one specifically that resonates with me because I know I started my business 10 years ago and I too come from a corporate background. And definitely when I actually made the jump to start working for myself, I didn't have the corporate sort of the marketing, the sales department, all the support that I had. (laughs) And then having to start from scratch, I think that's what created my burnout. Um, So what is that piece of advice that you'd like to give to our listeners? Because we do have a lot of entrepreneurs and women and men in business. What would be a piece of advice for those that are making that jump from corporate to then uh, creating something for themselves? Yeah, build a support team. You know, I think so many people make that leap from corporate into becoming a first-time founder, a first-time leader in this new context of being an entrepreneur. And they become the literally the wearer of all hats, right? Which we know as entrepreneurs that there are stages and phases in business where that's required of us. And yet, the more that you can 
take on the mindset of not only delegation, but build your support team, knowing that you are not meant to do this alone, right? That you you really are a movement with your own ideas and your own strengths and your own gifts and talents, but you're an absolute force when you have a village and team around you. And for everyone that looks different, right? That might be the, you know, intern or the, um, you know, that might be your, uh, social media strategist, or that might be your copywriter. I mean, some of this can start with part timers or sometimes people have volunteers in their business early on, right? In in the early stages. And for some people, that team looks like a support team around personal requirements, a personal assistant, an executive assistant. It might mean a nanny at home. It might mean helping around your support system around your health. Like I have a personal trainer. I, I am a nutritionist. Those people are just as much team members to me as my marketing or sales manager, right? So I need those people to, again, be at my best and I can't perform, think clearly and get results without them. So I, I guess bottom line is don't go at it alone and don't expect yourself to be able to, and at the very least, find a community of entrepreneurs that you can be a part of who are at your level that you can exchange ideas with and support one another and ask questions, right? So that you truly have a peer-to-peer mentorship relationship. I love the way that you actually describe the support team as a village or a community. And I've never actually heard of volunteers. So I know that there's some entrepreneurs uh, do exchange. So, for example, I, I know myself at the very start, um, I exchanged services. So, if somebody would do my social media, I would do their copywriting or whatever that might right. do some coaching. So, we did an exchange of services as a way, but not so much volunteering, which I love that. Yeah, it's a great option. Mm. So, I guess the next question that I had was boundaries. How do you, because I know that's one of my still, one of those things I'm still working through. And I know that I find it more so, especially in women, find it really hard to stay strong and firm with uh, strong boundaries. So, what's your trick? How do you keep strong and firm boundaries? Well, what I tell my clients, and this is my personal trick as well, is that I believe that structure creates freedom. And so for me, as an example of this in a really tangible sense, is when I look at my calendar, and I use this as a not only a, a, a tool, but it, you know, for accountability, but also for planning and also to have a sense of where my freedom is, right? I, I value freedom and autonomy and, and living my life by design. So for me, when I look at my calendar, it must reflect my values. And what I mean by this is I know my top, you know, three to five values. I can rattle them off, right? So when I look at my calendar, I have all my work meetings, my client uh, commitments, right? I have business development, you know, all the things I'm responsible for as a CEO or part of delivering services in my, within my company, right? But then you will also see my time as a mother blocked off. You will see all of my workout time with my trainer blocked off. You will see personal time that I have blocked off, right? Time for just me 
flex time. I call it white space time. So my team knows Sarah's not available. That's her personal time where she is going to be creative or work on her own projects or perhaps something for the business. But no, nobody bothers me there. Nobody can book my schedule, no client work. It's just for me, right? And I know I need that to, again, to perform at my highest level. And I also know I need to be with my child, right? Mornings and evenings, I have my own routines and rituals and I keep those boundaries. So for me, when I look at my calendar, it truly is a reflection of my values, not just my to-do lists or my meetings. So when I actually look at my calendar, it's fulfilling. I'm excited. I feel energized. Right. And I think that when you approach your life by design and you know you're filling your days with activities and the most meaningful things and people in your life, then you do feel as if you're in complete choice. And to me, that's freedom. Mm, I love the way that you describe that. And definitely, um, I think that will be something that would inspire most of our listeners and including myself. So thank you for sharing that. So Sarah, throughout your journey, uh, what has been your greatest lesson learned thus thus far? Oh my goodness. Um, So many. Um, I think one of the biggest is around the energy of proving. I think we, we, especially as women, powerful, smart, driven, ambitious women. We are often groomed in a a culture where we are rewarded and recognized and reinforced for our talents and our, um, our ability to achieve, right? So we get promoted, we get good grades, we get awards, right? And then we keep going and we keep proving ourselves along the way. And so it's very externally driven for us. And Number one, um, that becomes a, that can become a very dangerous cycle when we're always looking outside of ourselves for one recognition, recognition, and our sense of self worth. And I absolutely believe the n- most important thing for for women is to become self reliant and to know their value in the world from themselves and to know and feel that. And that, you know, that takes work, right? To, in time for you not only to believe in yourselves on that level, but to truly know that on a visceral level. And I think that that has been one of my biggest lessons and certainly contributed to my burnout where I was in a cycle of proving to other people and being recognized for it, right? And then you know, feeling quite confused, of course, when I was on my rock bottom going, what's wrong with my life? It's, it's, I'm supposedly very successful and falling apart. Right. So I think that if you take a look at why you do what you do, what drives you, is it truly coming from your own desire and your own value system and your own knowing of who you are and what you have to contribute? And that deeper why that we all know we have within us, you want to check in with that. Are you doing it for you? Or are you doing it for other people or because you think you should be doing it? I think we have to check in with ourselves about that over and over and over again. 
Mm, it's so true. And I think that that's one of the common things that you hear quite often, and especially I think in women, um, seeking external like validation, uh, comparison. These are kind of topics that are quite big in um, well, a lot of the, the, the guests we've had on the show. Um, and it is one of those things that um, we seek external instead of seeking within. What are, your right. thoughts around, what are your thoughts around the whole validation comparison piece? Well, it's exactly what I'm, you know, getting out here is that, you know, that, that drive to seek external validation is a, it's an, it gets us caught in a cycle where we are not able to be in a full authentic expression of who we are. Mm right? Because it's based on someone else's assessment of who we are. Yeah. So right. Sarah, because I know you do a lot of work with women and entrepreneurs and, and, and talking on validation and comparison, I see a lot, and I'm sure this is, it doesn't matter anywhere in the world, that when you start a company or a business, uh, you're lucky to survive within the first 12 months. So what are your, because you work with a lot of leaders, what do you see as some of the reasons why people fail to succeed in business and uh, in general uh, and do you think it's linked to, into validation comparison hmm. it's a great question um i would say where it is linked is that women don't trust on one hand women don't trust themselves often enough when they start and if they were to turn internal more and listen to their own ideas and start from the value that they bring to the table, their unique strengths and gifts and talents. And let's say expertise, right? That's essential because a lot of times what's happening is women are coming into a market or an industry and they're looking at what everyone else is doing and then they want to mimic that instead of trusting what they bring as unique and being a differentiator and a value right and and that's really important because we know that what they do naturally is distinct distinctively different than what someone else is doing and we don't want to follow the crowd we don't want to just copy these other business models or products or services or technology and we get we see a lot of people get caught up in that right whether it's a marketing strategy or um on a product in itself and unfortunately that's not sustainable and the the people, men or women, who get caught up in that cycle of um, comparison and often fail because they are not uniquely bringing something into a market that is uh, truly unique and can sustain itself and has demand, right? So they're not doing the research and the resourcing um in the beginning to understand what's needed and wanted and also how they uniquely can solve that problem. Mm, and trust is such a big word, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, it falls in so many different areas within your life that, you know, you might trust yourself in one area of your life, but not trust yourself or back yourself in other aspects, which then has this onflow effect in business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And, and doubt it sneaks in and anxiety sneaks in and, 
So that's also why you want to surround yourself with community, right? Community of people who are doing what you're doing and also who've been there before you, right? So mentors, advisors, consultants, people who can help steer the way and guide the way with you and answer those big questions. Mm. So you run a uh, mastermind group the Legacy Mastermind Group. So what would one expect from a mastermind group? Because I know I've been involved in some, I've run some myself, and they're also very different. So um, would love to hear more about how yours, you, you, you actually conduct your mastermind group. Um, well, you know, there are, to your point, there are a lot of different types of mastermind groups. Um, we've done a lot of high-level masterminds in the past. We also do really high-level private consulting um, advisory for entrepreneurs and executives. Our masterminds typically are a very small tight group of, so it's exclusive, right, for high-level clients that are uh, spend 12 months with us. We tend to go on a couple high-end, uh, really premium retreats um, to extraordinary destinations where we're doing deep work around leadership, how to scale not only um, the business model and uh, product or service in itself, but also the team, right? So how do you how do you build a world-class team? Because typically at the stages that people are at, especially in the entrepreneurial startup um, focus um, that you mentioned, that's really necessary. And then in between that, we're doing ongoing training and development of the leaders, the founders themselves. And uh, with myself and my extended team, we're doing ongoing group uh, coaching and consulting as well as private uh, consulting one-on-one. Mm. So for our listeners and for myself, what would be high level, some of the, the topics you uh, unpack? Well, specific leadership skills, right? So what are the skills of a CEO? So most founders, for instance, get into business because they're passionate about something. They have a specific expertise they want to bring to the world, and they're really excited about that. Or they want to develop a product, and they're really, really excited about that. But then they find themselves down the road in a leadership role, and perhaps they were in corporate before, but they weren't at a leadership role in this context or at this level. And so they find themselves in an entirely new role that they are not familiar with, right? They don't know how to establish or build a culture. They don't know how to lead and develop a team ongoing, or for that matter, scale a team and resource it appropriately to the business needs, right? So oftentimes a business is growing and it's not resourced appropriately, right? So it doesn't have the people to make it go. So it's like having the wrong engine in the in, in a car, right? Um, and so it's running up against obstacles and bottlenecks and, and it's starting to break, right? And so... Um, it's not only about how to hire and uh, find the right talent, but how to retain and engage and develop that talent so you really have a world-class operation. Mm, and I know that, that, I mean, we've talked about this on the show quite a few times. It's You need, I think, uh, someone that's quite gifted to be able to do that because I know in the past, I mean, my team right now is fantastic, but in the past I have to say that I um, had people come on board uh, who I initially thought would be perfect at what they do, um, and uh, you know it. We we it wasn't exactly 
you know the way I guess it would pan out. So, um, and I I hear that a lot from different entrepreneurs and and in business. Um, how do you get the right team, and do you outsource it if you just don't have the the right skills to be able to employ the right people in your team? Are you asking? Do you like hire contractors, for instance? Well, yeah, absolutely. We hire contractors, but I guess from from conversations we've had in the past, it's more so that if you if this is a bit of a roadblock for you, because I find that with a lot of uh, entrepreneurs have had problems getting the right team. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the solution for that would be outsourcing. Is that something that you do or do you do all of this in-house yourself? We do a combination. And I think every business is a little bit different based on their business model, what they sell, what stage of growth they're at and um, revenue levels, as well as, um, how fast they're growing, right? So it's not formulaic. A lot of, you'll hear a lot of people say, never do anything that's not in-house or, you know, only hire contractors. And, and I'm not, um, I'm not of that belief system in the sense that, so you could, you could say I'm a bit agnostic <laughs> in the sense that I believe that there's a specific organizational design for every business. There are some best practices that you can certainly use as you grow and what's most important is that one, you're fiscally responsible as you grow, right? So there are some, some things that you have to understand as a CEO, you're making big decisions and investments and your people are going to be your, your number one biggest line item on your P&L, right? They're going to be your biggest cost. However, that can be the best investment and the biggest ROI you've ever had, or it can be a big drain. And, uh, you know, and like you said, mistakes can happen. So you want to understand what is the true ROI? Because if you're making the right hires and you've got the right talent, you, you're going to make a tremendous impact on your bottom line. You're going to make a tremendous impact on your, on your uh, customers and clients. You're going to develop, develop a better product or service, right? Ultimately, you're going to have a better culture. If you're making the wrong decisions and hiring poor talent, regardless if they're an employee or a contractor, um, the impact of that obviously is negative on all of those things I just mentioned, as well as you have lost opportunity cost. And that is something that we really work with, with, you know, first time CEOs because they haven't thought this all through strategically, right? And so it's about pausing, creating the strategy and really you know, thinking of it as a talent strategy, a team strategy, and understanding how it impacts all the different areas of your company. Mm, it sure does. I love the way that you talked about the organizational design. It's amazing how, and some people are against it, some people are for it, depending on who you speak to, but some people think you need to have a business plan uh, an organizational design and so forth and others think no you don't you just got to find your way as you sort of like it unfolds like the yellow brick road so <laughs> uh, I, for those that like structure like me absolutely I think a business plan is key and but not everyone thinks the same yeah absolutely so the other thing that we'd love to ask uh, Sarah is about pain points so what are some of your pain points that you currently experience and how do you work through them pain points as um, in like an individual leader or as a company? Oh, as a company or as an individual leader, what are some of your pain points that you experience? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I would say um, 
Probably our biggest pain point um, is we get many, many requests for a lot of different types of work. And uh, the I would say one of my personal biggest pain points is that we can't service all of it. And specifically um, in our field, so although we are uh, consultants and executive coaches and leadership development specialists, we get a lot of requests for uh, jobs such as developing curriculum for other companies or or supporting people in developing training or licensing deals, partnerships, lots of things like that. Um, and we can't say yes to everything. And we really want to be able to service our clients at a deep, deep transformational level and have meaningful, deep, long-term relationships with our clients. And so even though we have a large delivery team and the ability to uh, field those relationships that we say yes to, we get a lot of requests we have to say no to. And that's always hard. It's, you know, it doesn't matter how big you are, how experienced you are. It's always hard. But, you know, the good news is that we have a large network of, you know, referrals that we can send um, people too, that are very, very experienced in our network. Um, but I would say that's probably the hardest part is that, um, as you grow, you get, continue to get requests, right? Period. doesn't matter what you specialize in and all companies face this. And this comes back to the, the conversation we were having earlier around boundaries is that you, you have to make decisions. And sometimes those decisions are saying no, and, and we say no, probably more than we say yes. And that's a really good pain point to have. But I'm also thinking, even as a as a startup, I think a lot of people say yes to everything, uh, and they're yes. not really swimming in their lane and staying very, uh, uh, you know, having those strong boundaries and staying very, um, I guess. In that direction. So, for example, if you are starting a coaching business, then you do coaching business and not you don't do um, instructional design or other things that uh, take you off your path. And I, I see that a lot in entrepreneurs and including myself. I was like that at the start because I didn't um, know how to say no and I didn't mm-hmm. want to let people down. But now I think I've learned how to say no. Yeah. And that's really common. I think there's a time and place, you know, to be open and and explore, right? Be curious about what type of clients or what type of work is your strong suit. And then at a certain point, start bringing in those, those boundaries because you will get off course. Mm. Yeah, so true. So Sarah, if we were to go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Mm. Trust, trust the process. <laughs> I think, you know, it's, you know, when I look back, I think, in the earlier stages of my career, I was so, um, I was so driven and so ambitious and I still am. However, the difference was the, the energy behind it often came, you know, I mentioned that proving energy. It often came from wanting to get to a certain place, right? Wanting to achieve a certain, um, level of success that I had deemed in my head was the place to get to and that many of us do this, right? And what I found and learned was that ultimately that, that point, cause I'd reach those points and then it wouldn't become the, the level of significance wouldn't matter. I'd reach it and I'd realize, Oh, it's no big deal. I'm here. 
And I would have this, this is it feeling. Mm. Right. So it's chasing something that didn't really exist. Right. And, and, you know, after my rock bottom moment, of course, my life has changed so dramatically that I don't do that anymore. And so when I look back at my younger self, I think I would tell my younger self or people similar <laughs> to just trust the process. Mm. I hear you loud and clear, Sarah. So how do you know when you get, because I, I, I know myself that I uh, sometimes I get a little bit in, um, impatient. So I'm very ambitious and very, I need to, you know, I need to see some sort of results. And I know a lot of people out there are the same. So once you start a project, you want to start seeing the results. And then they're not instant, of course. They do take time and it takes time to build and so forth. Um, but how do you know when you get you, yourself in the way of the process rather than trust the process? Mm. You know, I think what you want to do as an individual is know what are what are your default patterns? Where do you go? You know, what are your triggers? What are the behaviors or patterns that you typically do? And if we really get real and honest with ourselves, we, we typically know these things, right? So, you know, are you somebody who tends to work all hours at night when you get anxious or, you know, work through your lunch and not eat all, all day? <laughs> or do you, you know, does your self-care just go straight out the window? You know, I mean, there's typically signs that you know you're in a default mode, right? That's not the healthiest. It's, it's not really efficient or effective, right? It's not the most productive. So if you start to become a self-observer, be in self-reflection, have that dialogue with yourself. What am I doing right now? is this really necessary? Right. P take those intentional pauses. Sometimes you're going to be in a week where it's busier. You're in a sprint. You need to be really committed and devoted. And that's fine. We all have those moments that are more urgent and important. And yet be honest with yourself. Are you doing this because there's something underneath it and you're, you're triggered to behave this way and really you need to unwind right? And you need to slow down and pause and realize there's, you know, literally nothing is falling apart. You, you've just gone into that default mode, right? So I think part of it is developing self-awareness and, and that's a leadership skill, right? And being able to start to practice moment to moment, being aware of your behavior, your decisions, your choices, and your actions, and then respond to them. Yeah. I'm writing this all down because it's so true and it's one of those things that we hear all the time is pause, slow down, allow yourself to reflect, allow yourself to, um, you know, even observe what you are thinking, what you are saying. Although easier said than done because we do, and I find this, we do live in a very fast-paced environment. Um, it's to it, it's it's not our default position is to to just go at the fast pace where you actually have to become more conscious as a leader. I think to actually be able to do all of that, and that takes exactly. practice. Oh, it absolutely does. Mm. It doesn't matter how many years you've been trying to practice or been practicing. You keep going. Keep practicing because leadership and skills of this nature there are there is no finish line. We we don't we don't finish and say oh check that box we're done we keep evolving and growing and we get more skilled and more aware. And then there's, a, you know, a new door to open. 
So true. I always say we're never done. It's never done. It's constant. It's constant learning, constant growing. Absolutely. So, Sarah, as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. So what would be that one word for you? Uh, Transformation. Of course. And the other thing we love to ask our woman of inspiration is to share three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be like three practical exercises that you would like to leave for our audience today? Well, Two are going to be a little bit combined and they're really relevant to something we were talking about earlier. So I was talking a lot about values and also making choices and decisions with boundaries. So there's a little trick or tip that I love to share with clients and I do this with myself as well. And when, so it's really around making sound choices and decisions. It's something you can do really quickly, whether you're in work or in in some other area of your life, but at work and in your leadership role, it's really helpful. So two questions you can ask yourself when you need to make a, a, a choice or decision. It doesn't matter how big of a decision or how quickly, but these can be helpful. So the first one is, is this decision or choice in alignment with my top values? And you should be able to ask yourself that and say yes or no, right? Is it in alignment? Yes or no. And if it's compromising your values, you should be hesitant to move forward, right? Um, And you might need more information. You might need to explore it a little, but at the very least, you should pause before you just race into that decision, right? The second question you can use as a filter is, does this choice or decision improve my life on all levels? And what I mean by that is, is a moment where you pause and you reflect and you say, does this choice or decision improve um, our goals as a team? Does it improve our ROI? Does it improve um, our relationship with the client? Does it improve um, our commitment to um, our initiatives this quarter? Does it improve our quality of communication? And then you could look at, you know, personal stuff. You could say, does it improve my quality of home life? Does it improve my health? Does it improve my sense of spirituality or my sense of fun and recreation? Right? So you can really scan quickly. And again, you you may find that it's a 50-50 or a 40-60 split, right? But the intention is to stop, pause, and reflect and give yourself a quick tool to say, do I need more information? Do I need to talk to someone? Do I need to process this out loud with a a peer or a friend or a colleague, right? What do I need in order to move forward or not move forward? So those are two, right? The Mm -hmm. third one I would say is be honest with yourself about your strengths. So research shows us that we should be spending, all human beings should be spending at least 70% of our day or more doing strengthening activities. And strengthening activities are ones that make us feel alive, energized, focused, in the zone, the flow state, right? Where we really feel um, productive, efficient, effective. It's that zone where time flies by and we can't even believe it, right? It's where we are magnetic. It's where we get our best, most genius work done. And we have endless capacity to learn and grow in this space. So it's where we get the most results and 
we want to spend as much time there as possible. And especially entrepreneurs can get caught up in that, you know, wearing all the hats thing. So I want you to do a little, you know, do a little self audit and ask yourself how many of my activities day to day are strengthening and how many are weakening and start to figure out how do you shift yourself more and more and more into the strengthening side and start to delete, decrease, or delegate the weakening side. Mm, I love that. So that's based around strength-based leadership, correct? Yes. Yes, where people can do an assessment. Because I yeah, find – I an overall just a philosophy and approach. Yeah, I love that. I do find it in some of my classes, I actually sometimes ask my class to write down six of them, their strengths and they struggle. They find it so hard to um, identify what their strengths are. So it's it's one of those things that um, it's easier said than done, but there are assessments for our listeners. There are assessments out there where you can actually do assessments to find out what your strengths are, your top six or whatever strengths. Yeah, absolutely there are. There are multiple great assessments out there. So, Sarah, where is the best place for our listeners to find you? Um, soulpowered.com is our website or on social media at Be Soul Powered. Mm, I love your website too, by the way. I highly recommend okay. for our listeners to check it out. Sarah, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your wealth of wisdom with us and for your time and your energy. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit the subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplanner.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at katherineplanner. That's it for now. Until next week, wishing you a fabulous day.